Yesterday was a bittersweet moment for me. Um, if you did not know, this week on Tuesday, I gave my letter of resignation to Hilo High School football program. And after seven years of faithfully serving the program from being an equipment manager to a kicking coach to a running back coach um, to a character coach with the character classes and now being the, the assistant head coach uh, for varsity and then the head coach for JV, uh, we just felt it was time uh, as a family to make this season our last season, and it probably is going to be the best season of all. And my last game is actually going to be next Sunday. And I wanted to leave out just quietly, but one of our coaches, um, when I left early Thursday night to go minister at the BCM and, and teach over there, one of our coaches uh, shared with the team that it was my last uh, week coming up. And so last night, in honoration, they, uh, they, uh, they tanked me with some water, right? And uh, I've never felt that experience ever till last night. An undefeated program. Uh, the, nobody knows when Hilo High School JV specifically was ever undefeated. And um, it was bittersweet for me, but I was okay. I was porno. I'm watching those boys hug me, kiss me on the cheek, and tell me they love me. It was very highly appreciated. But I didn't want to take that time to focus on what I accomplished. And so I asked them, can I just pray with you guys one last time? Um, and you guys know that it's illegal for any faculty to pray in a public school setting. And I know I was going out with a bang, so hoorah, right? And um, everybody won me. I shared the gospel with them, and I told them, guys, you're looking at a man who got a second chance. In 2001, my senior year of high school, one of the main captains of the football team of Hilo High School. I was dismissed for the team for a character issue. Years later, God would allow me to redeem that. They have been awesome seven seasons with some awesome men who aren't men of God, some of them, majority of them aren't. But I had the opportunity to share the gospel uh, with these men for seven years and yesterday make sure they knew that the whole reason why I was on the program was because in God's sovereign grace, he has allowed me to coach the game that I love so much. And uh, you may ask, what's going to happen next forward? Well, God really convicted me in three areas of my life. My walk with him, my walk with my family, and my walk, and my walk with the church. And so moving forward, um, moving forward, um, my, my heart is to continue on seminary, if you did not know. I'm getting my Ph.D. in hermeneutics right now. Um, that's my walk with the Lord right now. Number two, um, my family, my wife and I are going to invest in our boys on an athletic level. They're, gonna, they're old enough to play sports. And so I'm going to use my football knowledge to coach my two older boys for now to the younger boys, uh, our experience. And we're going to go down to the Pop Warner level on some shape or form and teach technique and, and strategy and IQ and all that that we've learned on this championship program of Hilo High School. Um, and then lastly, with the church, we are moving physically, all right? If you've not heard, uh, we're moving from this location at the end of November. And so we have news today that we have a strong lead of where we're going next. Give God glory for that. Um, and uh, and, and here's, the, here's the deal, man. We say it all the time, but it's found in 1 Thessalonians 5. 
And we, we read this before we moved from the mainland back home, before we planted this church, and it's so true. It says, faithful is he who calls, and he will surely do it. Let me say that again. Faithful is he who calls, and he will surely do it. It was just me and my wife started this church about five years ago. And none of you in this room outside of, I guess, Auntie Jackie, as we know, only Auntie Jackie I knew, right? Um, I didn't know many of you in this room. We didn't know you, but Jesus did. And that's what binds us together. If there's any message we preach in this church, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter what topic we preach on, what book of the Bible we preach in, may it always point to the greatest message, the only message that matters, and that's the good news of Jesus Christ. That is why we are an expository church. We go books of the Bible, verse by verse, for main reason, because we want to honor God in the text, verse by verse. We want to understand context. We want to understand analysis. We want to understand culture, uh, historical analysis, all this stuff being so that we honor God with the Word. We say it all the time, right? We don't lead into the text. We lead from the text, right? If there's anything we learn from principle, it's let Scripture interpret Scripture. In a day and age where people are leading their own opinions and, oper- and, and, and manao into the text, we want to be very diligent to be the opposite of that. We call expository and exegesis study and preaching. And so we're not here to get the popular vote from people. Amen? We're not here to tickle ears. We're here to really share the good news of Jesus Christ. And there's going to be some sour moments, some sore moments. But let, there's going to be some beauty in that. Can I get a witness, right? There's going to, so we're walking verse by verse with the Gospel of Mark. One thing we learn about the Gospel of Mark, that brother Mark is a progressive guy. He's moving quickly. In fact, the word he used to identify this progression is the word immediately. All right? And we get to a part of the text where Jesus is continuing on his healing ministry. And what we found last week is that Jesus didn't just heal the Jews who, the, who he was sent to heal. But also from last week, we learned that Jesus came into contact with a Syrophoenician Canaanite woman who was a Gentile by birth, the opposite of a Jew person. And by culture and by history and context, Jews looked down upon these Canaanite people. Therefore, what has happened is that the Lord Jesus did what he only could do in this instance. The Lord Jesus healed this Syrophoenician woman. Now, this is key for us. Because I'm pretty sure everyone that's in this room is not Jewish by blood, right? So we are more close to the Syrophoenician Canaanite woman than anything else. So this should give us a big joy in our heart that God saves all people. Can I get a witness, right? That he lovingly, justicely, and his justice saves people from all backgrounds and all sorts. So I want us to get to a point, continue on in Jesus' healing ministry, and what this looks like moving forward of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me in the reading of God's word? It starts here in verse 31. In continuation of the Syrophoenician account, Mark writes these words. 
Then Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the sea of where? In the region of Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was what? Deaf and a speech impediment. And they begged him. Right? They didn't just casually ask him. They begged him to lay his hands on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, Jesus put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Epha Ephata, that is, be open. And his ears were what? Open. And his tongue was released. And he spoke plainly. This is the man who's healed. He spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He, Jesus, has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Mm. Father God, thank you for your precious son. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. Holy Spirit of God, do what only you can do in our lives today. Give us mana'o, give us ike, give us insight. Help us to comprehend what this means theologically and in application. In Jesus' name we pray. In God's own says, Amen. My sermon today is entitled Connectivity, right? And when you think about connectivity, what I think about is Mac. Anybody here owns a Mac product in their room, right? I know it is overpriced, all right? I know it's overpriced, but it does its job, all right? One thing I like about Mac uh, units and items is that you have rarely have to do virus checkups. Can I get a witness out there, right? I mean, if you are a PC person, hey, glory to God to you, all right? You want to be a Gentile? Praise God. Go with yours and stuff like that. But we love, all right, apples. And when I think of connectivity, right, I have a, a Mac Air, I have an iPad, iPad, and I have an iPhone. And what's cool about this connectivity is there's this thing called iCloud, all right? And the iCloud allows me to stay connected. So if I'm in Japan, if I'm in Alabama, if I'm in Hawaii or New Zealand, wherever I go to preach and share the Word of God, I am connected, right? If I don't have a sermon on me physically, I can get on one of these devices, get on my eye, and if some of these devices, if I only have my phone with me, I can literally get on my phone, get into my iCloud, connect to all my connectivity here, right? And I can get my sermons online, right? Or I can, I'm very spoiled, I can text my two administrators from this church, right? And tell them I need blankety blank. And in that connection, they'll forward me, whatever that case is. But that is what connectivity looks like. And I want you to see in these verses, the first few verses, you see connectivity. It said that Jesus went to Decapolis. Decapolis. And while he arrived there, there were a group of people, right, who brought to Jesus a man who was deaf and mute. 
That is connectivity. Got me? So we see this connection of someone who is in need of supernatural healing but lacks the resource. Does that make sense? He lacks the resource, but what he does not lack is connection. There is a statement out there that says that everyone is somehow connected to seven people, right? And then in that seven people, those individual seven people are connected to seven more people. We can go look on social media and we can see what connectivity looks like by how many friends or followers you actually have. And I want to say this very boldly. There is power in being connected to others. Let me say that again. There is power in being connected to others. Here are two real things I want to get out of our verses and there will be power on Number one, all right, are you connected with the right people. Let me say that again. Are you connected to the right people? Now, I'm not saying are you connected with people because that's obvious. Everyone in this room is connected to, to people. The question is, are they the right people? Look at verse 32. And they brought him, right, a man who was deaf and a speech impediment, and they begged him, Jesus, to lay hands on this individual. Right? It wasn't a casual request. These people who heard about Jesus and heard that he was in town brought someone who was significantly in need of a miraculous healing. Now, scholars would say, a group of scholars would say, well, they were just testing him like the Pharisees. They're really genuine about this connection. Another group of people said they were genuine because these are people who were also healed by Jesus from chapters 1 to chapters 6. But the reality is, are you connected with the right people because here's the result when you're connected to the right people being connected to the right people provides a community of personal support let me shout out some ohana groups here if you are involved in an ohana group you are missing out on true connectivity in ohana group you can go much deeper than you can go in this room this morning can i get a witness out there it is hard for you to understand everything I say in it of itself. You need a group of people like this deaf man had that were connected with, and you got to see the support that is in it. I call this gospel community. This is much bigger much stronger than an AA group. Now, I'm not against AA groups. We have that. We support some of that here in the Sinai. But I'm saying what happens in groups like AA is that they try to fix the behavior rather the heart. Let me say that again. They try to fix behavior. And churches somewhat go there. There's a lot of churches with a lot of programs for a lot of different people. That is not Ohana Church. All right, we really have five ministries. That's all we have, and we're okay with that because we want to identify the need for connectivity, gospel community. And look at this. This man was deaf and had a speech impediment, but look at how these people he was connected with supported him. Number one, they brought him to Jesus. That's how they supported him. He needed healing power. He needed someone supernatural that could do what only that individual could do, and that was found in Jesus. Secondly, as we address, they begged Jesus 
to heal him. This is what happens in a community group, a gospel group, a gospel group that's focused on Christ. You provide needs for each other. In fact, when Jesus ascended into heaven after 40 days of speaking to the kingdom of God in Acts chapter 1, the New Testament church was persecuted by Rome and specifically the Jews. And what we see is that persecution brought out this connectivity, this gospel community. Look at what Acts 2 says. It says, and all came upon every soul. And look at what happened when all came on every soul. Look at this connectivity. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Right? This is key. Because what the apostles are doing right now is in direct connection with what Jesus is doing right now in this text. Listen to me. If Jesus never did this, we would have not had a model of what healing looks like today. If Jesus did not model healing for the Gentiles, for the Jews, for this deaf man, for this mute man, we would not have a model of what that would look like to do it today. So I would say it this way. Anything we do in ministry, in this walk of faith, is secondary to what Jesus has already done for us. That's why he gets all the glory. That's why we must be gospel-centered and Christ-centered because it's about Jesus. Verse 44 goes on and says, And all... Everyone who believed, all the believers, all the Christians, the New Testament church, they were together. Connectivity, right? And had all things in common. Verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. They supported each other. And it was radical. Could you imagine, right? Radical. You're giving up your houses. You're giving up your, everything for the needs of others. Now, I'm not saying on this platform that that's what you need to do as an action step moving forward. I mean, if God leads you that way, praise God, praise Jesus. That's it. But what I am keen on is that connectivity, all right, here in this text was supported by these group of individuals bringing this deaf mute man to Jesus and begging Jesus to heal him. So really the question is here. How do you know, when it comes to being with right people, right? How do you know if I am connected with the right people? The answer is simple. Listen to me. They point you to Jesus. Very simple. You will know that your group is healthy that this group of connectivity is the right group because they point you to Jesus. Listen to me. If some of you are going to marital issues and you're involved in a group, a support group, right, that says, man, you just need to divorce them, that is not what I'm talking about. That does not point people to Jesus. We have to point people to Jesus. That is how we know we are connected with the right people. This is probably the greatest application anyone can do for you in any situation of your life. Jesus had made his resume known in these last seven chapters. If there's anything that Jesus made his resume known to people, it's that he can heal people. 
He can deliver them. He can free them. Gary Brantley from, says this about creating for connection. He says, human beings have an essential desire to connect. Can I get a witness there? I know that's true. That's why social media exists. Everybody wants to connect, to experience dynamic relationships with one another. And this is true for following Jesus today. I want you to see how Jesus models connectivity. Number one, Christ and his relationship with the Father. Number two, his relationship with his followers. Number three, his relationship with the world. Jesus modeled connectivity. In fact, in John chapter 17, the night before Jesus is crucified, Jesus prays a high priestly prayer, and he says, don't take them out of the world. Leave them in the world. And Lord, I sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. You are truth. This is what it means to be a part of a gospel community. Not just make you feel good or better about your issues, but meant to remind you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. By this standard, all right, listen to me, by what we just spoken about, by this standard, if you could examine your life today, are you connected with the right people? Are you connected with the right people? Here's the final question that will be filed today. Are you connected with the right person? Are you connected with the right person? We're going from plural to singular. Verse 33 says, And taking him aside from the crowd privately. This is a one-on-one -on -one party, y'all. It goes on. He puts his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed. And said to him, right, it, that is, be open. And his ears were open. His tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. This is off the board very true for, app, for application for us in this room. Listen to me. Jesus does something that I never saw until I read it this week. He communicates with a deaf and mute man by the only way this deaf and mute man can audibly understand. Jesus sign languages to him. He signs. And then Jesus, and look, the way Jesus operates in this, right? Look at this reality truth. The right people, right? Those you hang around with. The right people will always lead you to the right source. Why? Because the right people will not just celebrate their wins. The right people will also support and celebrate your wins. Are you with me? And what Jesus does, Jesus communicates the gospel in a way that is, that is transcended. He sign languages to this individual. Remember, it says faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of Christ. How does deaf mute people hear the word of Christ? By the hands, by touch. Listen to me. I want you to hear this very. Here are three ways Jesus responds, and then we'll be power. Number one, Jesus hears our 
cries and uses sign language to express his compassion to this deaf man. Let me say it again. Jesus hears our cries and uses sign language to express his compassion to the deaf man. Number two, Jesus heals the deaf man the same way he created everything, which was with the sound of his voice. I want you to think about this, right? God healed this individual and it didn't take him much to heal him. The same way God spoke this earth into existence is the same way God spoke this man's healing into existence. What does this mean? God is consistent. He is the same today, yesterday, and forever. God does in creation, right? And the same way he does with this deaf man. He says, let there be light. Boom. He says here in this text, in Greek, and now in English, be open. And the man's mouth and ears was open. Number three. Jesus heals the part of the deaf man that were necessary to receive and affirm God's voice. So what does this mean for us today? Some of you are deaf today. Some of you are mute. Maybe both. One or the other. And the reality is, we could look at this text and say automatically, oh, we're the group helping out people, bringing the deaf. Let me tell you something. No, you're the deaf man this morning. You're the mute man this morning. And it was the sin of mankind that made us deaf, that made us mute. This is why over 7 billion people in this world and less than 2 billion follow Christ because we have many deaf and mute people in this world today but those who aren't deaf anymore those who aren't mute anymore you have a kuleana what is that? connectivity gospel community you're called right to seek out these people who are deaf and are mute and guess what? Bring them to Jesus. And I want you to see this. God could have used anyone in this story. Right? We don't even know if this was his followers. We just know it's just they. And God does a miraculous thing. I was deaf. Now I can hear. And so how, how should we respond to this verses today? Well, it's found in our text that the scripture interprets scripture. Look at verse 36. It says, and Jesus charged them to tell what? No one. And here's the significant theological point of telling no one. Jesus said this to people because the more he got famous in his healing ministry, the closer he was to his death. So when Jesus spoke to them to tell no one, he wasn't just saying that he was ashamed of himself. He just had a heart to accomplish the mission that his father had sent him to accomplish to free his people from sin. But look at the verses. It goes on to say, but the more he charged them, the more zealous they proclaimed it. 
Yes, we see disobedience in this action. But I want you to see verse 37. They were astonished. They were amazed beyond measure, saying, He has done all things, what? Well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Jesus clearly tells them to say nothing on multiple occasions in our verses. However, they do not listen. We, we can't condone the act of disobedience, but we can certainly can understand their response. Why? Because they experienced Jesus. Their connectivity led to healing, to freedom, to liberty. In any other way, they could not free themselves from. And here's an application truth for us. You ready? This is how we should respond. We should praise and thank Jesus for all he has done. Why? Because he's made the lame walk. He has made the blind to see. He has made the deaf to hear, the mute to speak, the leprosy he has rebuked and it is gone. When Jesus spoke healing, it came to fruition. And we should praise him with all our hearts, with all our bodies, with all our souls because he is due for praise. Isaiah proclaims it this way. Isaiah the prophet says, Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf, the, the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for, say with me, joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. God, Jesus, the man God in the flesh has come to rescue you, me, the lame, the broken, the one, the one that cannot walk. He has come to save us from iniquity. And if you believe that that is you this morning, then receive what he has given you and give him the glory that he is due for. John Piper says this, that missions exist because worship does not. And because missions is not ultimate, worship is. Because when we get to heaven, there will be no more preaching. There will be no more fight whether you're topical church or expositional church. There will be none of that. All there will be in heaven is worship, glory, adoration, praise. We will no longer need sanctification. We will no longer need a process of looking more like Jesus. We will be like Jesus in the image of who he is because he has finished the work here on this earth. So why do we do missions here in Hilo? Because worship does not exist yet. And Philippians says this, that he is the name above every name, that those who are in heaven, on the earth, under the earth, will declare that he is Jesus. What does that mean? Whether you believe in Jesus or not, 
whether you have a relationship with Jesus or not, whether you're in heaven, on earth, or under the earth, you will declare that Jesus is Lord. And I pray that when you declare it, it will be in heaven in his glory and his presence forever. Could you imagine? Could you imagine this deaf man? This deaf man with these... These buggers saw him running around town. Hey, hey, this bugger, I saw him for years. Couldn't speak, couldn't hear, acted funny, act weird. And now he's zealously proclaiming Christ. May we have the same zealous for our Lord Jesus moving forward from Ohana Church. May a building not define who we are as a people of God. May our worship experience not define who we are as a people. The style of music, the financial issues, the, the relationship troubles we have, the men not stepping up to be gospel-centered men, the women being insecure and falling victim toward what the world and the devil has to offer. May we be a church defined by God's glory and his glory alone. May we shout out in adoration because God is good and though I am not, he makes me good through Jesus Christ. What he has done on the cross for me 2,000 years is still sufficient for what he does through us today and forevermore. If you know that, can you give me a hearty amen this morning? Would you stand with me in God's presence? give back to him. How should we respond today? We should respond in praise and adoration. No alakai today. All we want to do is thank God for his goodness today. All we want to do is sing praise to our king. So you have the greatest platform to give to God what already belongs to him, your heart. And I'll say it again. We should praise and thank God for all he has done. And we should do it one way. You ready? To get her. Together. You know why? Because Ephesians says, uh, it just works in the English, I don't know what the Greek. But in Ephesians, it says that God, alright, is gonna get, alright, listen to me, to get her. Her is her bride, his bride. Alright? So we're gonna do it together, the bride of Christ. We're going to worship him together, all right? Are you ready? Sing like you've never sung before. Worship like you've never worshipped before. I may have debt issues. I may have illness issues. I may have relationship issues. But sing like the God of the universe holds your heart. Are you ready?